Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Guilty Pleasures, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape featuring the songs you love but pretend to hate. I don't know if this week is going to top last week because that, that, that was that was just a blast from start to, to finish. I, so I, I can't wait to hear what songs you have this week, although I feel like we're going to have a couple of artist matches perhaps now. I could be wrong. But um, I don't know. Just I can't wait to put it all together to sequence this mixtape because last week alone is, is just... It, it is just a playlist that I can't wait, secretly, of course, to listen to. <laughs> so um, uh, we definitely did our job last week. I, I don't know. I, I'm just... I'm just hyped. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm so. debating. I know I went. I, we finished off with "Through the Years" by Kenny Rogers, and I'm thinking maybe I should have picked "The Gambler" because um, that it kind of I can see how people see that's a guilty pleasure, and they maybe would have preferred to hear that. And I kind of feel the same way about my next song. I'm looking at it right now, going, "Ooh, I went with the less obvious choice. Maybe I should have picked the obvious choice. I went with the less obvious one because I like the song more, but people are going to expect the other one." And then I realized that. Based on all of my notes, you literally can just interchange the song, and it's not going to matter. So that's how similar the song um, songs are. So you can decide if I should go with the one or the other. Okay. All right. You ready? Fair enough. Do you have something you wanted to say first? No. Okay. <laughs> now kinda, I'm now you. you I kind of jumped you, into it. I'm, I'm, well, I, I'm not. Suspense is killing me. So. I'm not going to Rick roll you, Alan. Oh, okay. <laughs> So never going to give you up or together forever? I said I'm not going to rickroll you, so that's why I'm not, I didn't go with never going to give you up. Okay. I went with together forever, right? which is a song I like but better. The, but the choice that you're giving me is... Yes, okay. correct. Right. If you think we should go with the more obvious choice. All right, so we're going into... I'll talk about it, and you can think about it. All right. Um, to our late 80s, um, I think I decided why I like Rick Astley as a guilty pleasure. I think he's kind of a little bit behind the times musically. Oh, yeah. I think his songs would have fit nicely in the early 80s. I agree. I think they could have easily... If you would have told me these songs came out in 83, 84, I would have believed you. Production-wise, maybe a little advanced, but the songs themselves would have fit perfectly in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. He he has a new wave vibe right. to his music. Um, and, and his voice... Now he, here's the thing. I remember the first time I saw... Rick Astley. The first time I saw the video for Rick Very Astley. British looking. Yeah. Very British. But, <laughs> but you know, I heard the song before I saw the video. And I imagine, because he has that deep baritone, and I imagine that he was go I, I did not imagine that he would look like a 14-year-old child. <laughs> or dance with a trench coat. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it blew me away because that voice did not match that face right. at all. Exactly. Which, which has happened before with other artists. But he just, he looked like... I mean, he looked like Opie, like he walked off the streets of Mayberry. I mean, it, I just was not ready. He did for not. He did not fit that sexy pop star image. Not at all. No. In fact, it was quite the opposite. He he looked a little dorky. Yeah. But, but I I kind of liked it. It was kind of refreshing. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. And but I will say this too. Not only would he have fit nicely into the early '80s, but his voice had that classic. I, if he if almost he, a crooner voice, yeah, yeah. If he had, you know, if he had just released an album of standards, 
Oh hell, he 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 could have been Harry Connick. He would have, yeah, he would have beat Harry Connick. At, by, well, this is the same time Harry Connick yeah, came out, but but I, I, he he may have been much better. I mean, he would nest, he would not necessarily have been you know had had the chops on the piano, but right. But he has that voice. I mean, it, it's it's. Or was that was when Harry oh. met Sally eighty nine eighty nine. So this was slightly before the yeah. whole Harry Connick revival, but right. But no, I mean, he just he would have been so good, you know, performing, you know. As a Sinatra, yeah, tribute, and I, I just don't know. I, I, a part of me wishes that he had, you know, at least tried a standard or two because I would have loved to have heard that combination. Maybe he did. We just don't know. Well, that's that's true. I don't. Poor, know. poor, poor Rick. I, I doubt he ever saw a cent from all of his viral travelings across the internet because I can't think of a more viral song. Oh, yeah. No. Um, or video than this. Of course, we're talking about Rick Rolling, which became a thing. I think it's probably still a thing because it's no longer a thing. So people do it because it's no longer, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's one of those, it's more of a joke now because the joke is so old. Um, but yes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you, you know, where have you been? But people would post, you know, different links on, on a website or, or send an email or, post something on Twitter and make you think, you know, think clickbait, right? Um, get you really excited for the content and then you click the link and it's Rick Astley saying he's never going to give you up. Right. Yeah, no, I am... Um, oh, the Rick roll was everywhere. I don't think there was a YouTube video for about a three-year period that did not end with, <laughs> with Rick Astley, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it it still lives on and it's it's a parody of itself now so right and just, and I, I wouldn't feel bad if he would have gotten royalties but yeah, that's, not, that's not how yeah, viral videos no, work that's not at all um, I mean I guess they do now that things are monetized but back back then you know YouTube hits weren't monetized and people were cutting and pasting and putting things in their own videos so yeah there's no way right. he could have monetized that um Okay, I'm still thinking about... Well, okay, I'll say one more thing, and then you keep thinking. This melody is not from the Swedes, so they they hadn't quite taken over yet. That was later on with Ace of Bass when they kind of started their whole factory. Um, This was actually from kind of a hit factory in England. Uh, I think they called themselves Eurobeat, I think is what they called themselves, um, where they they created the same kind of deal, right? They would write these songs, and they would find people to sing them, young people to sing them. And their deal was taking European dance beats and putting them with, with Motown, swing, or shuffle music mixed in. So this, you know, some of Rick Astley's has a little bit of a soul aspect, a little little flavor of soul, you know, okay. but it's a dance song. Um, and they knew what they were doing because they made a lot of money doing it. Yeah, no, agreed. All right, you pick? Uh, Together Forever or Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Okay, so I'm assuming Together Forever it was your pick because you liked the song more. Yes. Okay. I just like the melody better, but they're both good well, pop songs. Here's the thing. I think, without question, Never Gonna Give You Up is the more popular choice. Um, I'll tell you how much I confused the two. On my notes, I had Together Forever. On my playlist, I had Never Gonna Give You did Up. Did you really? <laughs> um, and I caught it at the last minute, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is a different song. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I would, had I went with Rick Astley myself because I thought about it for a brief moment but he never really made my list um, I would have went never going to give you up I, w- I would have went with the Rick Rickroll um, in part because it's a guilty pleasure mixtape and I was thinking at the time let's put on the songs that people 
would want to, right. yeah. to hear. Um, now that's not taking anything away from no, no. Forever, let's that, put which that was, on. Which was a legitimate hit as well. But, but let's put that on. Let's put uh, together forever on the alternates list. Now. That works for me. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think you can go wrong either way. I mean, they were both very similar songs. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, confused they're almost the two. same song. But I, yeah, never going to give you up. I think is just for for the memes involved. I mean, it, it's the song that has really lived on and made Rick Astley so yep so widely known to a generation thirty years removed. time now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw it out there I, I've, I have lots of stories you know for this two part episode this is the most embarrassing okay. okay I have to share this story for our guilty pleasure episodes though when I was five and six years old okay I was obsessed with Donnie and Marie Osmond ooh yeah that is pretty embarrassing yeah. Alan until it's, until it's final season I watched their variety show which was simply titled Donnie Marie, religiously, every Friday night, okay? Now, in its final season, my viewing habits changed because I discovered Wonder Woman and forever fell in love with Linda Carter, so I changed networks. There's a step up. Yeah, so I, yeah, um, Wonder Woman finally got me to turn, turn, turn the dial. But Donnie and Marie, they were young. I mean, he was 18 and she was 16 when the show premiered, okay? And at the time, they were the youngest entertainers in TV history to host their own variety show. Now, as for the show itself, it always followed the same format. I remember this. But where did they come from? They just decided to build a show on these two people, or did, was they, there, did they, they come from somewhere uh, else? They released a couple of uh, singles. They oh, so they were like a band. Okay. Yeah. Um, what well, Donnie started first. Donnie actually performed with the Osmond Brothers, um, and they had they had a few few. Uh, minor hits and then Donnie Osmond just took off and he became like the huge teen idol um, Marie Osmond she um, kind of followed suit and she had uh, her first solo hit it was it was Paper Roses it was a country hmm. country tune um, and the two of them then started singing together and they released a couple of a um, couple of oldies remakes I'm Leaving It All Up To You uh, Deep Purple um, you, know, you know way too much about this. I do. I, was, I, just, I, I obsessed over it. Well, them. I asked okay. because I saw an old promo for Disneyland. I think for the Haunted Mansion. They were like hyping the Haunted Mansion, probably on the Wide World of Disney or whatever it was on ABC. Yeah. And, and it was basically a bunch of kids going to ride Haunted Mansion. And it starred Kurt Russell and Donny Osmond. Oh, yeah. So uh, he obviously in the late, I think it looked about late 60s. Yeah. Um, he, he was clearly a star at that point. Well, you know, and... They haven't gone away. I mean, Marie has been a staple of, of the country music scene for forever. And Donnie has kind of held his own. I he mean, went Broadway with he uh, went, Joseph, right? Yeah. Yeah. He we went Broadway, and then he also sings the, the huge number from uh, the animated Mulan. Oh, okay. Um, 
the song is escaping me. Um, I'll make a man out of you. I'll make a man out of you. That's Donny Osmond singing the song. Hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, he. And right now, my understanding is that the two of them, I think they have a res. I just talked about Shania last week. I think Donny and Marie have a uh, a residency, or, or at the very least, they were performing in Vegas. Yeah, I think everyone's in Vegas now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I haven't gotten to any. Maybe that should be a qualifier. If you have a Vegas act, you automatically qualify as a guilty pleasure. I think that act. probably is fair. All right, I have not shared any of the embarrassing stuff yet, okay? Which, what? Yeah, so bear oh, with boy. me here, okay. All okay? right. So the show itself, I remember the format. I mean, I watched it all the time. The intro was always an ice skating number, and that was followed by comedy skits, and then Donnie and Marie would sing, Okay. The most famous song performed on the show was I'm a Little Bit Country, I'm a Little Bit Rock and Roll. I do remember that. Okay. That formed the basis of a weekly segment in which Marie would trade off singing a country song with Donnie singing a rock and roll song. And each episode ended then with a musical finale and a balloon drop. And lastly, Donnie and Marie would sing their signature closing song titled May Tomorrow Be a Perfect Day. Sometimes the show would also feature musical adaptations of popular movies. I still remember their Star Wars episode. Yes, I've seen clips from yes, that. If you've yes, never, if you've never seen it, you can find it on YouTube. Yes. The picture quality is it, terrible, oh. <laughs> as is Donnie and Marie's acting. But at age isn't, five... Isn't like the cast are on there, right? Like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill uh, and I don't, Carrie Fisher, I think, appear. I thought they did. Maybe uh, not. I know the droids are there for sure. The droids are there. Chewbacca's the there. Darth Vader is there. The Stormtroopers are there. I don't know... Don't the, the Stormtroopers any, dance? Yeah. Oh, oh they, they all dance. Oh, um, and the droids dance. I, I thought I remember just <laughs> so, a dour-looking Harrison Ford, but that's how he always looks, so well, yeah. it's probably from I, something else. I don't remember if the cast itself was there or not, but the droids, Chewie, Vader, definitely were, were a part oh, of this. Man. Yeah, the picture quality, if you go to YouTube to find this, it's terrible. Donnie Marie's acting is terrible, but I tell you what, at age five watching it, I was mesmerized, okay? That's still not the embarrassing part. Okay. This is, Okay. My dad's sister and her family, they moved to Tennessee when I was very young. And even though they had moved, my cousins and I remained very close. And it was always a special occasion when they would return to Ohio for a visit, all right? So my cousin Tara, she was a year older than I am, um, was, she's still a year she's older. She's still a year older than, <laughs> than you. I am. Um, Unless so, she's in outer space or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why I used the past tense there. Um, but like me, Tara was also a huge fan of Donnie and Marie's music and variety show, okay? So whenever they would come back to visit, she and I would play Donnie and Marie, all right? We would reenact the comedy skits. We would sing their most popular songs in character. We also invented our own storylines, though I don't remember any of them. And we would rehearse during the day, and then in the evening, we would perform little shows of our own as Donnie and Marie for our parents and grandparents, Okay? This was our thing. And it worked out well because after they moved to Tennessee, Tara became a country music fan, and I most definitely was not, okay? Now, she and I still reminisce about all those those times. We, we share so many good memories, and we, we both have a good laugh whenever it comes up in conversation, but I really had no choice. I mean, if, if I'm really gonna give you a guilty pleasure playlist, a mixtape, I had to include a Donnie and Marie song because I mean, it so defines and what are you going with? my childhood. Well, it only makes sense to go with the most popular number. I'm a little bit country. Okay. I'm a little yeah. bit rock and yeah. roll. Now, it was their signature song, but it was never released as a single. 
Really? Okay. Yeah, never releases a single. The song was included on the album Donnie and Marie featuring songs from their television show. Now, Tara and I both owned a copy of that album, okay, which was a good thing because after the show went off the air, the album was out of print and the song was unavailable for almost 30 years. You couldn't find it anywhere. The album was finally released, uh, or it was finally issued on CD in the early 2000s, and I admit I purchased the CD when it became available, but I still have my vinyl copy, as does Tara. So, you know, here we go. This one's for Tara. So I, I... I give you, I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock well, and roll. Well, at least two people bought it. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I mean, it doesn't, there's nothing, no other song on my playlist is going to compare to the the guilt I feel sharing that story. That's good, that's but, good. But it's. Get it all out. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I feel so much lighter now. It's off my chest, so. <laughs> um, there we go. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. I'm starting with. Well, I, I, I know. I kind of know the song, so I'd be interested to hear it again. It, it it's catchy. It, it's I, I I hate to admit it. It's it's catchy. short turn <laughs> i don't know i might beat it with this next one okay um you know you have guilty pleasure songs yes but then there are bands that you can make a case for being guilty pleasure bands um this is an example and and i'm i'm a fan of this band but i also understand the limitations of the band okay i'm talking about kiss here okay Okay, I, I, it depends on... A lot of, a yeah. lot of musicians, okay? They, they, they kind of go in and out yeah. of the category. A lot of musicians would look at Kiss and say, that's a, that's a guilty pleasure band, right? It was all about entertainment value. Nothing wrong with that, but it was all about entertainment value. They wanted to make money. They wanted to entertain. They put on a great show. They still put on a great show. It's not like they're just taking your money right, and robbing you. I mean, they're giving you your money's worth. They've always done that with the pyrotechnics and the makeup and the costumes and the set pieces, but they've always been about that, entertainment which is fine. But again, we talked about last episode, what's the difference between artistry and just entertainment and both are fine, whatever. But that's why people would say that Kiss is a guilty pleasure band. They write, you know, good good hard rock pop songs or, you know, I would say like pop disguised as rock songs, kind of like, right. yeah, yeah. like um, um, last week when I talked about Talk Dirty To Me. And they appealed, like Donnie Marie appealed to you, Kiss appealed to me as a kid. Of course, you had the makeup, and, and, and they kind of looked spooky, but, you know. Well, I remember Kiss used to, when I was very young, Kiss scared the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As did, I mean, Kiss and Alice Cooper and Ozzy, I was scared of all of them. But, I mean, in time, I came to love all of them for their quirkiness, but, but I mean, yeah, Kiss, the demon in his tongue scared, <laughs> scared the hell out of me. Well, so. and you talk about variety shows. They appeared on various variety shows that they I would did. catch. Yep. And of course, kids at school would, would talk about them, and I, I ended up liking their music. It's very, it's very accessible music, right? Yes. Um, but so I just want to preface that. That's not to say that I, I don't like Kiss and I still listen to them, but again, you know, if I'm going to line up a bunch of uh, artists that change music or change the world, Kiss is not going to be there in no. a commercial sense. Like, I argued for them to be in the Rock Hall, and they finally oh, yeah, yeah. were inducted. But it took a long time. Well, and I, I think the Rock Hall took their time inducting them because yes. of they, they are 
a guilty pleasure. But I argued, yeah. but I argued for them to be in there for no other reason but the fact that they did, for better or for worse, commercialize rock and roll. Oh, they did without question. Now I know the Beatles. They they Beatles had stuff. They had buttons you could buy and a t shirt. But man, you could kiss everything. Right, you had kiss shirts, you had kiss buck, what, 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 what? You could kiss. Well, anything. I mean, you could find kiss anything. Well, no, I, it, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, I don't. Know I didn't intend to hear say that, that the way it came out. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah you could find kiss anything. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yes. T-shirts, but belt buckles, lunch boxes, action figures. Oh, yeah. They had a movie that was awful. Kiss well, meets the Phantom. They even they had the comic book that they actually with their own blood. With their own yes. blood. They, they yes. dipped. They dipped uh, um, drops of their own blood the into ink. the ink. Yeah. So for that alone. And they had the Scooby Doo. Yes, special. They should yes. have been inducted in the Hall of Fame because because that was important. Some people may not say say it was a bad thing, but it still influenced rock and roll. Anyway, yes, that's my long preface about Kiss. Now, the the question is then, what song do you pick from a guilty pleasure band? Because there are lots of them. There are. Now you could say like Rock and Roll All Night. That's a, that's a classic like classic rock song. Now we already. We already used, used it. it. Right, right. Yeah. But I'm not going to pick something like that. Um, I'm going to instead go for what many bands had in the late 70s, and that was their disco period. Oh. The Stones, oh, Elton John, Rod Stewart, they well, all had their they did. disco phase, and yeah. Kiss is no exception. They had uh, Dynasty, where they had a huge hit with I Was Made For Loving You, which is a disco song. There's yeah. no other way around it. It's yeah. just a disco song. Without question. Um, and they continued. I think 1980 was was uh, was Dynasty um, was the album, and then in 1982, they came out with an album that I had as a kid called Unmasked. And Unmasked had a comic book. Um, it was a comic book story on the cover, so it had like four or five rows of panels that told a story. And so here you have a kid that's you know I'm like nine, ten years old. Um, I go to the record store. I see this album with a comic book on the cover. Pure genius, right? And I, I love every song on it because they're pop songs, but they're kind of disco-twinged pop songs. Yes. Anyway, there was a single off of this album, and the single went absolutely nowhere. They did not have the same success as I Was Made For Loving You, and that single was called Shandy. So you may not be familiar with Shandy. Um, a lot of people aren't. Even people that know Kiss and the earlier the, stuff may I, not know Shandy. I like Kiss, but I've never loved Kiss, and I, I know their hits. You know, I, I know their hits. Once they took off the makeup, they became another hair band. Yeah, they, they became. I, you know, I've I've never cared for their music from that point forward. Right. But when you go to the seventies, I mean, Detroit Rock City. I mean, right. I, that is some. Yeah, that's classic. Well, the, the Shandy rock. is not that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they were going for a a power ballad, and instead they had kind of this disco power ballad. Uh, it's got funky rhythms, uh, disco guitars, backing vocals. I mean, you have to hear it. I mean, and, and none of the none of the music is performed by Kiss. Of course, they're all studio musicians. Um, but as a kid, I, I, I like this much aligned album very much. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. I've talked to and seen online other Kiss fans who have since begrudgingly or secretly whispered that they kind of like this album too, and they kind of like Shandy too. So I'm not the only one. I'm wondering if I have heard it and I just don't. You, know. uh, you may. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I. I, it was. It didn't get any radio play. No, uh, then maybe, and the video was never on MTV, as far as I know. I mean, I, I own their earlier albums. I mean, through the seventies, I I, yeah. I own. This I, is eighty two. This was right before they took yeah, off the makeup. Yeah, I don't. This was right. Right after this was Creatures of the Night, and then they took off their makeup. Yeah. So now I, I 
it's not an album I ever purchased. But I will say there are some highlights to the song. First of all, again, I've said melody is king. The melody in the song is great. It's a great, great melody. Had it been produced differently, arranged differently, this could have been a hit single. 100%. Okay? Paul Stanley gives an incredible, I I believe he wrote the song, uh, and he gives an incredible vocal performance. Okay, so there are very good things. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a disco-y kind of rock song. Okay. Um, it, it has a video. Like I said, they got no airplay, but check it out. On it. <laughs> check it out. I think he's like backstage at a, at a concert venue in the dressing room, and he's singing to the camera or whatever. It's been a while since I've seen it. But the record company issued a double-disc compilation called Gold, right? A lot of bands oh, yeah, have their yeah. Gold compilation. Yeah. So on Kiss's Gold compilation, this song is included. So I'm not the only one that thinks that, that, that really likes this song. In fact... Of all the songs on my list, if you would say, what song would I most want to hear right now and be excited to hear, probably be Shandy. Really? Yeah, I just love it. I just can't pretend no more. I keep running out of lies. Loving you is killing me inside. Every time I It's so weird to talk about these songs that are not great songs, but have a special spot in your heart. Okay. And that is Shandy for me. So in the privacy of my own basement, (laughs) (laughs) I will listen to this song. Fair enough. Yeah, I I like Kiss. I was waiting for them. I defended their their induction into the Rock Hall. They're they're classic rock and roll. At least the early stuff is classic rock and roll. And and I, yeah, I, I did in time go out and I purchased, you know, the... Their, their work from the seventies. Um, if you get, if you want um, a compilation of their seventies work, anyone out there listening that cares, um, uh, double platinum. Du- well, double platinum is what I started with. Yeah, yeah. The first Kiss album I bought was double platinum, and that that sold me on Kiss. Right, right. And then I went and collected all the you know the the albums from which those songs came, and that's that's essentially my Kiss collection. I never bought anything beyond you know. That, that I bought the first collection. couple non-makeup albums, and then by that time, I realized that I hate hair bands. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> We're going to go in a complete opposite direction for Kiss, okay? <laughs> not a good transition. I didn't set you up. Well, no, no, not at all, but that's okay, because I don't know that anything could have. Um, let me begin by saying that some guilty pleasures are in our response to a song rather than the song itself. Okay. Okay. For instance, In the Air Tonight, I would argue, is without question not a guilty pleasure. No, it is a rock-solid, great song. But air drumming to the song's percussion, you don't get more pleasure from something as guilty as air drumming to the So you're going to include... No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. You were just giving an example. I'm using that as an example. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Just as much as I love air drumming to In the Air Tonight... I love making my own skyrocket sounds. Oh, yes. Okay, this is definitely... Okay, yep, yep, it is yep, the yep, highlight yep, yep. of my every listen. 
to Afternoon Delight nice. by the Starlin Vocal Band. Nice, yes. Okay. This is a guilty pleasure you can get, my friend. Yes. The band itself knew that skyrocket sounds were needed. Uh, the the four-part harmony vocals are the star of the song, but the key element is that pedal steel guitar lick that follows the line skyrockets in flight because uh, they considered using a sound effect to stimulate fireworks, but instead... Um, Danny Pendleton, who was playing pedal steel at the seat at the session, he, he came up with the, the solution that satisfied the band. He turned on every pedal and just let it rip. And it works, but it has nothing on the explosions of my own making. <laughs> okay. Now, if that weren't reason enough to love the song, there is also no point in denying my immaturity. I admit the double entendres speak to my childish nature. Okay. I find great joy in the not so hidden meaning of a suggestive lyric I, I just do and sneaking away for an afternoon quickie has never sounded so vanilla really the song is so innocuous that i can't help but find just a secret delight in its wholesome delivery okay um has sex ever sounded so <laughs> sanitized as it does in this so song? suburban 70s yeah I mean, it's like it is the most innocent and wholesome. although i've always read into it more of like an affair like a, it's an illicit affair yeah. going on well it was a married couple singing the song was it I, yeah i didn't, yeah. didn't but, know that but nonetheless i yeah i could see that reading of it interesting because married people don't have sex in the afternoon no no I mean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway <laughs> anyway um yeah it, I don't know. The band argued, okay, that the song was actually named for the late afternoon appetizer menu at Clyde's of Georgetown in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, the restaurant is still standing, and they have a gold record from the song hanging in the bar. And the inspirational menu heading still reads Afternoon Delights, okay, hmm. just as it did in 1976. That's the official explanation, at least. We know of course, that that is not what the song is about. So, regardless, to quote Ron Burgundy, Yes. If you don't think this song is the greatest song ever, I will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you. I love this song. I was going to say, made popular by Anchorman, and also was included in the closing credits of what 90s movie, what Oscar-winning 90s movie. Closing credit. Closing credits use this? The protagonist is driving across country like he promised he would. It's one of the themes of the movie. In fact... Ben Affleck's character said he was going to come. Goodwill Hunting. Yes, kick Matt Damon's ass if he didn't. I do not remember this in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, the very remember the whole thing was he goes one of these days I'm going to come knock on your door and and I uh, want he, you not to be here. I remember that. And at the yeah. very end, he knocks on the door and he's not there, and then you see his car driving on the interstate and Afternoon Delights the song that plays. I, I remember the ending. I just yeah. don't remember that song playing. Yeah. at the ending. Yeah, very I'm going to have to go back. And, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll watch a Robin Williams flick any day. But but yeah, I don't remember Starlin Vocal Band being yeah. a part of the ending of that film. So um, they actually had it. They, they brought it back before Anchorman.
had to include it. I mean, it's just it. You do That's not get yeah. any. I, if I had thought of it, I'd have put it on yeah, my list. I'm, I'm two for two now. I went from the Osmonds to the Starlin yes, Vogel yes. band. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling out all the stops this week. <laughs> so, what do you got? What are you coming back with? Okay, so this is one that is a. It's, it's good. It's good. So I feel bad putting it on my guilty pleasure list. Okay. But it's it, it, it was such a hidden guilty pleasure of mine growing up. So I guess this maybe matches your Osmond story a little bit. Okay. Okay. In 1986, when I am getting into what I would say is, quote, good music, <laughs> which is the alternative right. uh, music that I'm coming across, R.E.M. and Two and The Smiths and The Cure and all these great bands. I owned a couple cassettes. Now, now some Now, some kids kept dirty magazines under their mattress I'm, I might have hid <laughs> I might have hid these cassettes because literally I, I would have just died had anyone known that I listened to these cassettes like that's how down low I kept it okay Whitney Houston Whitney you hid Whitney in 1986 a male in middle school yeah. yes I hid Whitney there, there's far worse than Whitney though. I understand that but you have to understand like so what I'm saying is Whitney unparalleled voice right oh yeah great great songs great production everything so I'm not saying that she is a guilty pleasure artist by any stretch of the imagination I'm saying that yes me in that phase of my life would never have let anybody okay. know that's fair that I had her first two albums on cassette yeah I am um, I I actually had uh, well I had Whitney Houston on vinyl and then I had uh, Whitney on on cassette um I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I ever publicized that, but I also don't think I was hiding it under my mattress. Well, there was a lot of stuff I didn't <laughs> so, publicize, but this is one that, yes, it, hmm. it, it was not under my mattress, but it was not it was not displayed with well, my other music when was, people came yeah. over. No, I, I got that. Um, and there. I bought them. I mean, I literally, yeah. I didn't know anyone to, you know, dub from anyway, but yes, yeah. it was a very secret thing, but I liked Whitney Houston. Okay. Yeah, I, I no, I remember 1986, and yeah, I, I was not... You know, I was not shouting from the rooftops my my appreciation right. for Whitney Houston, but I don't know I, the way you were setting it up. I thought it was going to be so much worse. <laughs> I did. I thought it was going to be so much worse. Well, than it, Whitney. It, it, again, it comes down to melody, okay, and it comes down. And her vocal is great, but the song that I chose um, is the greatest love of all. <laughs> That's the guilty pleasure. Okay, song. so did I do okay there? You did okay. okay. All right, yeah. thank you. Because it is kind of a cheesy song, even for Whitney Houston. It is, but as an educator, I believe the children are a future. As an educator, you there's could, no you could have you there, could have that, justified that awful cliche. It really line. is, yeah. Um, but again, her vocal, the sweeping chords in this song, you have strings, right? Even though this is late '80s, the strings still exist, and they're sweeping and they're very aggressive in this song. Um, but that last note, I, you can say guilty pleasure all you want. Just if for the last note of this song, it, it's everything. If if you did not know that she was going to be a megastar from that note that she sings at the end of the song, then you were just clueless. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. To make it easier Let the children's laughter Remind us how we used to be Everybody searching for a hero People need someone to look up to 
never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. A lonely place to be, and so I learned to depend on me. I decided. Even listening to it today, you know, I cringe a little bit, you know, because it is so cheesy. Uh, but I'm not afraid to say I'm a little bit of a romantic. And, you know, I, I just I like this song. This is my like my favorite song from Whitney Houston. Yeah. Um, and there were so many great pop songs. And she had a lot of singles, of course. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, there were a lot of great songs on the first two albums that were not singles. Um, and specifically, I'm thinking like in the first album, Nobody Loves You Like I Do with mm-hmm. Jermaine Jackson, yeah. which I kick myself. Today, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that or I would have put that on the duets episode. I didn't think about it. Yeah, it's been years since I've heard it. Yes. So, um, so yeah. yeah, but that's, so I, I said it so it's on our alternate list. I want to put that on there. Yeah, Whitney Houston, The Greatest Love of All is my number three okay. guilty pleasure. No, I I love Whitney, I, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting Whitney. I was <laughs> well. I started by saying that it's not. She's not a bad artist. She's yeah, not a no, guilty no, no. pleasure. Yeah, artist. agreed. Um, yeah, what you know? I always we've already set up the dichotomy. I'm I'm the the lyrics guy. I have to tell you that it was only like a year or two ago that I realized that saving on my love for you is about having an affair with a married man. Yeah, I never knew that. I always thought it was this romantic, like, like long distance affair. I never listened to the. I, I was you. I never listened to the lyrics of that song, and not neither had my wife. We were actually it was playing, and the two of us were just quietly doing our thing, and we were both listening just on our own. And both of us, I mean, we just our eyes connected. We had never realized that she's the other woman. In yeah, I didn't song. know that either. So, <laughs> um, so that one shocked me. Um, but yeah, no, Whitney is. Uh, I never would never get. I never gave any of her lyrics a second thought. I just like the music. Yeah, well, I mean, she has that voice. I mean, she's just. I, her her death was was a major loss, but of course she was. She had already lost so much of what made her special before she had. Before she had passed because of the drug addiction and you know, but well, if you look at that first cover, her first album. I mean, oh. she's very conservatively dressed, oh, her hair, is, everything. Yeah. And yeah. then the second album, she starts. She comes out of that a little bit. Unfortunately, Bobby Brown came was, into the picture. I was going to say, Bobby Brown yeah. was the one responsible for Whitney just totally unhinging. But um, Which, you know, you hear it all the time. Under the pressure, you know, here she's this kind of good girl that comes out and, and she's been playing that role for two, three records. And here comes the bad boy, which is always attractive, or it seems to be, yeah. for a lot of girls. But unfortunately, man, just went too far the other way. Yeah, well, just just a crack addiction. I mean, crack is such, I, I don't know. Whitney Houston always felt, in my mind, far too classy to have gotten addicted to crack. I didn't even know it was crack. I yeah, just of, it was all, of all drugs, it was crack. And I'm like, 
you know, I not that I'm not that I'm suggesting that any drug is you know the better choice, but crack is just in my mind it's it's so below her, you know, who she was and how she began. I, I don't I don't know. It, it's it's still it's it's tragic that that we lost such an incredible voice. Um, okay, so you, you done with I'm done. I'm okay. Finished. Well, my next song. Um, I could have picked any song because I picked it for the artist, not not the song. Okay, um, this is an artist we talked about them last week that I do not consider a guilty pleasure, but the world does, and I put them on here because if they are categorically assigned as a as a guilty pleasure, then damn it, I'm going to include them because I can't get enough of them. Okay, okay. Everyone remembers. Well, maybe they don't. I don't know. It was not a great film. But there is a scene in Tommy Boy, okay, where Farley and Spade declared their distaste for the Carpenters. You ever seen Tommy Boy? Oh yeah. Okay. It took place in Sandusky, Ohio. Yes, it did. So, and, and you know, after all, you know, the Carpenters are quote unquote lame. Only the biggest loser would actually like the Carpenters. But you fast forward that film a bit, and there they are singing their little hearts out to Superstar. Okay? <laughs> superstar. Yeah. Love that song. So, no, it's not the one I chose, but I, I love Superstar. It's such a great song. I'll admit it, I, I love the Carpenters. And I still get chills when I hear Karen sing. Okay, She remains one of the greatest voices in the history of pop music. And Carpenter's singing has attracted critical praise and influenced several significant musicians and singers including Madonna, Sheryl Crow, Pat Metheny, Sonic Youth's Kim Gordon. Oh, there's a, there was Shania a whole Twain, tribute Adam album Rulia. in the 90s from oh, all these yeah. alternative artists. Exactly. Yeah. Katie Lang. I mean, Paul McCartney has said that she had the best female voice in the world. It was melodic, tuneful, Who said distinctive. That? McCartney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Macca. Uh, she has been called one of the greatest voices of our lifetime by Elton John. And let's not forget that, that her prowess as a percussionist, I mean, I, has been praised by fellow musicians Hal Blaine, Cubby O'Brien, Buddy Rich, and by Modern Drummer Magazine. In fact, in 1975, she was voted the best rock drummer in a poll by Playboy readers, beating Led Zeppelin's John Bonham. Well, that's a tough. I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Stylistically, I'm not, you're not even. Yeah, totally. She's, I, she's I, not I, attempting the stuff. I agree. Okay, agree. But, yeah. I'm not saying I, I agree with the poll. I'm just saying she won the poll among Playboy readers. Maybe maybe Meg drummer. White would be a better comparison, but uh, perhaps whatever. Yeah. So, on October 12, 1983, but shortly after her death, the Carpenters received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. In 99, VH1 ranked Carpenter at number 29 on its list of the 100 greatest women of rock and roll. And in 2010, Rolling Stone ranked Carpenter number 94 on its list of the 100 greatest singers of all time, calling her voice, quote, impossibly lush and almost shockingly intimate, adding, quote, even the sappiest songs sound like she was staring directly into your eyes. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Whitney clearly has, like, the greatest voice in pop music, but... What Karen Carpenter had was that, yeah, it was the tone. Yeah, it was agreed. it was something about that tone, that rich, warm, inviting tone, so comfortable. Like, oh, yeah, yes. I mean, it's it, it's it's comfortable. Comfortable is the yes. word. I mean, it was you know every song sounded familiar. Even on first listen, it was a song that you knew. It it, it was like a blanket. You just just the opening it. lines of Superstar right there. That's yeah. all you need to hear. Yeah, agreed. The fact is, the Carpenters are awesome, and I'm not alone in my opinion. Nonetheless, today they are firmly rooted in the canon of guilty pleasures. 
okay? Which, which kills me. I feel no shame for my love of their music. Depending on how you look at it, though, I can thank or blame, I'm gonna thank, an ex-girlfriend for my fanboy status, okay? She listens to our podcast, and this is an affectionate shout out to her influence on my musical tastes. She was a Carpenters fan. She loved to sing, and when she sang, she sounded like Karen. Really? Really. I, I spot on, mm-hmm. sounded like Karen. Now, I'm not sure if you remember, but when you and I vacationed in Florida before our senior year, she made me a mixtape to listen to while traveling. Only she didn't record in sequence songs, rather she recorded herself singing songs for me. Hmm, cool. And the end result was largely an anthology of Carpenter's hits. I mean, there were, there were other songs on there, but it was very heavily Carpenter's. I must have listened to that cassette a hundred times through. And it's testament to the quality of the Memorex brand that I did not wear out the tape. But, but sadly, I, I made the mistake of taking the cassette with me to school one day where it played in the journalism room as I worked on my section of the school newspaper. And late to my next class, I forgot to eject the cassette. When I returned to collect it a few periods later, I was heartbroken. The cassette was gone. And I never, really? I never did find it. Yeah, never found it again. I have, I have my suspicions about what happened to it, but I'm not going really? to go back in time. Oh. Yeah, okay. So anyway. Wow, I have never about that in a while. Yeah, I've never forgotten the thrill of listening to her sing, though. And my love of the Carpenters lives on to this day, and it is her doing. I mean, she she indoctrinated me. She schooled me on the Carpenters, and I, I can't thank her enough. And she did. She sounded like Karen. It was incredible. So I've decided to go, though, for, for our mixtape with the duo's last top 10 single, okay? Only Yesterday, mm. from, from the 1975 album Horizon. That's a good song. Oh, I love it. And it, it's so unusual because At it's, least go with Sing. Go with no. I don't like that song. That's a good guilty pleasure. Well, no, it's not even a pleasure because I just hate that song. Well, but here's that's the, the one Carpenter song I didn't like. Here's the thing: I, in my mind, there was no. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. no song that nah, truly nah, fits. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. There, oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> if I'm going to choose that, I'm going to have Sesame Street characters singing the song. <laughs> I'm not going to go with Karen Carpenter singing it. Um, now, I went with Only Yesterday. It's from the 1975 album, Horizon. Here's the thing. I don't think any of their songs are guilty pleasure, so it really didn't matter what song I chose. Um, Richard Carpenter, though, he wrote this one with lyricist John Bettis, and, and they were so sure the song would not be a hit that they lost a $1,000 bet to their recording engineer, Roger Young, when they were proven wrong. It's more upbeat, and it's considerably more optimistic than a lot of their other hits. I mean, so many of their songs are downers. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Karen is singing all the time about, you know. Rainy days and Mondays. Yeah, goodbye to love. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this one is just optimistic. She's found the love of her life, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's upbeat. So, it, and the title, I mean, if I'm really going to give a shout out to, to, you know, the person responsible for my love of the Carpenters, only yesterday just seemed an appropriate choice for the memories that I've just shared. So, yeah, I, I, it kills me that I lost that cassette. Not that I'd be listening to it now. I mean, I'm 30 years removed, happily married. Um, but that cassette, I mean, I listened to it all the time and yeah, left it in the journalism room because I was late. I was late to calculus. I, I, I remember what class I was going to, Mr. Rife calculus. And I left the cassette and I never saw it again. After long enough of being alone Everyone must face their share Time nobody knew the pain I was going. 
I guess it's a good transition because this next artist, um, I, I, I don't hate, um, but I can see why he, he's considered a guilty pleasure and he's definitely considered a guilty pleasure for me. That being said, I know some people, well, one particular colleague at work who, you know, he's a fan of this artist, which shocked me. Um, I don't know that he's even embarrassed of it. I just don't tell people because I would be embarrassed of it. That's so horrible. I sound like a snob. I'm talking about perhaps the patron saint of all guilty pleasure artists, Mr. Barry Manilow. Uh-huh. He's on my alternates list. I had him on the 12, and then I'm like, everyone expects Barry. So I, I threw him on the alternates. Which one did you go with? That was the hard part. I, I could have gone with Mandy. I could have gone with Copacabana. That's the one that I have on my alternates. I could have gone with Looks Like We Made It. Did you go ready to take a chance again? I did. I love that song. It's a great song. Love that. Well, it helps that it's from Foul Play. It's from Foul Play, starring movies. Goldie Hawn yeah. and Chevy Chase. It's a Hitchcock tribute. If you've never seen this movie, folks, you've yes, got to see it's Foul Play. It's a great, great movie. Fantastic movie. Um, yeah, what's less cool than liking Barry Metal? I don't know. I don't think there is anything. Maybe Donnie and Marie Osmond. But, um, <laughs> Ouch. Especially... Since and this is this is true story. She was your mother, my mother's favorite artist, and my mother-in-law's favorite artist. Oh wow! Both my mother and mother-in-law both loved Barry Manilow. Okay. Um, yeah, that was their favorite singer-songwriter. So I I grew up listening to his stuff. Um, like I said, I had a ton of songs in, in mind. Copacabana, I almost picked for the same reason we talked about with The Gambler and Rick Astley. I mean, that's the one people are going to expect. My wife even said, well, of course you picked Copacabana. And I said, I didn't, actually. I went ready to take a chance again because I like that song. I'm a selfish host here. I pick songs I like. Well, I I, I had Copacabana on my alternates, and I, it was going to make the the alternate playlist regardless. So, yeah, ready to, I love ready to take a chance. It, it is one of the... You know, had we done a 70s movies songs yes. episode, yes. this would have been the first song on my playlist. So I, it, it's just, it's fantastic. I sound like a broken record, but it's epic melody, sweeping strings. Again, the strings right before the fade out of this song. Pay attention to the, right, right before the fade out. He finishes singing the last verse or chorus, and then the strings, more aggressive than, than Kenny Rogers. It, 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 it's, it's almost shrill. But it, it, you know, it fits. It fits the seventies very well. But here's, and I'll be honest here. Lyrically, this is one that I will comment on because I do like songs about taking risks and having hope. Yeah, I know that sounds cheesy, but I do. I'm a sucker for those types of songs, right? Um, the lyric: "Been living with nothing to show for it. You get what you get when you go for it." I just think that you know, you could you could hang that as a motivational poster in your classroom. You could, yeah, absolutely. Right? 
like, you know, you, you get what you put into it type of thing. And so it's about, you know, specifically in this song about taking a chance on a relationship after being burned. But you can really apply this to all sorts of things, making a career choice, right? Taking a risk, uh, taking a risk by moving to a different place, um, all sorts of different ways you can apply this song. Barry Manilow, he he is he is firmly entrenched in guilty pleasure, which I don't know is fair, honestly. I mean, he he has so many records attributed to him. I'm not talking about the vinyl. I'm talking about he broke so many oh. records. You know, I mean, he just he, he started as a jingle writer. Yeah, he yeah. wrote uh, commercial songs. Yeah, he he was a jingle writer. Then he was a uh, personal assistant and the piano player for Bette Midler. Yep. Um, he actually, the American Bandstand theme, Rowan yes. Hoppin, Hoppin' Today, I mean, he, that was Barry written Manilow. by Barry Manilow. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, it, it, it reminds me, it's a lot like the scene from Tommy Boy that I just referenced. Because, and I know you watch Family Guy. Oh, yeah. Right? Remember the episode? Um, there, there's, a, there's a scene from Family Guy. Uh, after a news report on Barry Manilow airs, the gang at the bar vigorously denounces the singer. But they can't contain their shameful secret for long because within moments, all four giddily come out of the man in the closet, joining in song two, ready to take a chance. Again. Oh, really? Yeah. I about that. Yeah. So I, you know, as well they should because well, that sounds like my coworker and I. Because you know, I'm not going to say who who it is. But I'm not going to out. I'm not going to bury Manilow out him or anything. Okay. <laughs> but he's bury Manilow he, out you know, him. He's no. how do I say this? He's I'm not trying to be toxic, toxic masculinity. But he's a, he's a man's man. He's a he's a coach. You know. Um, he likes, you know, 80s hard rock. He's he's the last person you'd expect right. to listen to Barry Manilow. No, I, Manilow, I mean, he's, yeah, I, I respect. I, and here's the thing. The more I read about him, like the article that I shared with you uh, last week from Rolling Stone, um, that is the most self-deprecating and the most endearing thing I think I've ever read about that man. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds like a joke. It's Bruce Springsteen. Bob Dylan, was it? Uh, no. no, Springsteen and Billy Joel. Oh, Springsteen, Billy Joel, and Barry Manilow yeah. at a table at a restaurant. Yeah. and <laughs> No, um, Bob Dylan was the one that commented yeah, saying Dylan, that he was yeah. a Barry Manilow fan. Yeah, Bob Dylan, he he once stopped Manilow at a party, embraced him, and, and told him, don't stop what you're doing, man. We are all inspired by you. That, that was, We're just not going to admit it. Yeah, that, that <laughs> he was, didn't say that, yeah, but that was a right. subtext. But, I mean, even Sinatra. Sinatra once you know, pointed a finger at Manilow and with reverence said to him, you're next. I mean, it, it's, you know, he's very well respected in some 
circles, just not in the cool club. Right. <laughs> so, right. but no, I went with Copacabana because, you know, it's Lola, Tony, and Rico. Yeah, yeah and I love not, that song yeah. too. And plus, you know, that's the song that gave us one of the greatest Star Wars parodies of all time, Star Wars Cantina. Right, right. Which I mentioned only because I want it on the alternate right. <laughs> list. But, um, yeah, people are going to expect Copacabana. Not as many people know where to take a chance again, but trust us it's yeah. a great song oh, it is and and but you know that's why i relegated him to my alternates list because i'm like everyone expects copacabana which is the song i was going to go with so i'm really happy that you chose what you did i mean that's it, it I, I sing i sing at the top of my lungs to that song I, I do roll the windows down on the highway and listen to that song yeah okay so it is my turn and my next song this one is especially galling to me okay as i had spent a decade goofing on those who worshipped her right I'm talking about Taylor Swift oh who I agree with you is legit but I did not always think in those really? terms really no 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 if I'm going to fess up to my appreciation of, of you know singers who who deserve you know the credit that they sometimes don't don't get I need to come clean and, and you know give credit where credit is due I always did enjoy Taylor's spazzed out white girl dance moves, <laughs> okay? And, and it provided me with endless fodder for ridicule. I, I similarly laughed at her monthly heartbreak and her incessant need to write songs about well, the I mean, that's, in her life. Well, I mean, that's just a Taylor Swift thing, well, and she, but it's endearing. She, she was a teenager, you yeah. know? And of course, well, for part of it. And of course, I, I was quick to point out that she had obviously never read Shakespeare's Tale of Star-Crossed Lovers, yeah, right? Her happily ever after with Romeo absolutely pained me. But then came Shake It Off. Okay, that, that song was everywhere. And it was like a virulent strain of COVID, really. <laughs> Wait a minute, that was after the Red Album. The Red Album was so good. It was, but Shake It Off, okay. is, what, Shake right. it off is what changed everything for me. Shake It Off, it spread from FM station to station, city to city, country to country. I mean, it almost overnight, we had a pandemic on our hands. And as with all outbreaks, it was the infirm and, and vulnerable who suffered the most and succumbed the fastest. I thought. As a DJ, I was forced to play this song every night at every gig to every dance floor. I had no choice. I mean, if I wanted to get paid, I had to play with what was requested, and this was requested time and again. At one wedding reception day, I kid you not, the bride asked me to play this song three times before <laughs> last call. Okay? So long story short, it's an earworm of the worst kind. And it was one giant hook right from the intro. It got under my skin, and in time I found myself head bobbing and then swaying, and I was infected, okay? But what really made me a swift convert was the music video for Shake It Off. Oh, it isn't like a, a grease, is it grease? Or, she's wearing a well, Letterman's jacket or something she, and like there, she's Converse? In a num there are a number of different costume okay, changes. Okay, I forget. But, but Taylor was so incredibly self-deprecating that I found her absolutely endearing. I mean, the, the fact that the song's lyrics were aimed directly at me <laughs> for the years that I had sneered, scorned, and scoffed at her talent was not lost on me. I mean, the irony at its best. So then one day while procrastinating like on the competitive level, I, I, I delved deeper into her catalog and I revisited her past singles because I thought to myself, really, if, if Paul McCartney dug her, then wasn't it worth a closer listen, right? So the verdict, some of it was quite good and some of it was even awesome, okay? In truth, I've... I've I've been a fan, really, of Taylor Swift ever since, and I readily admit that I know nothing of her non-singles. I, I, I have not gone that far in exploring her discography. But her singles are not only tolerable, they're very good, and they're addictive. So today, 
I defend Swift to all who laugh in derision of her talent. I, I, you know, I'm quick to point out that she not only sings, she also writes her own music, she plays her own instrument. I mean, it doesn't get more rock and roll than that, really. And by the time she took aim at her critics with You Need to Calm Down, I was 100% in her corner, which I love that song, by the way. You Need to Calm Down is just, oh, I, I love it. I, I learned long ago that there is no shame in taking ownership for my mistakes, and I'm wrong a hell of a lot about a great many things. I was certainly wrong about Taylor Swift. I'll see I'm too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. I go on too many dates. <laughs> but I can't make them stay. At least that's Could have included any of her singles. I mean, not well. The early. I'm not a fan of the early. I'm not. A, I'm not a country fan. So I mean, the earliest songs. Eh, Teardrops on my guitar yeah, and that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I. You know, Tim McGraw. I'm, I'm not. I'm not into the country flavored singles from earlier in her career. But once she crossed over, I, yeah, the Red album. I mean, is just that's my favorite. Whew, I mean, it's and now she's doing some interesting, you know, indie stuff, um, folklore. Now, my daughter would tell you all about it, and she's. I sub- apparently she has all sorts of Easter eggs in different media and different uh, commercials and things that she puts out on social media. And of course, she had to re- re-record a lot of her earlier albums because of a conflict with uh, her manager at the time and right. the record deal. She's gone through a lot, but she's she's kept her head up and she's yeah. uh, stayed relevant. No, I, yeah. Well, and Lover, I, I was Lover was just both the album and the single. I mean, it's yeah. I I just. I, I'm huge fan now, and I was not a fan. I mean, I, I spent so much time making fun of her, which is not really fair, because she is simply this generation's version of two artists that I still have coming up. But nonetheless, I I, I was so close-minded and so I would say gone, has gone way beyond those artists. Oh yeah, yeah. well, just yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, she's I mean, lived and when you talk about an art, when you talk about an artist has a spanning career you know of, of 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 over a decade with multiple hits not just one or two albums but cross generational i mean that you know she is one of those i remember thinking as a kid when you'd watch those commercials for the compilation albums of like the 60s and 70s and you'd see the songs growing and i remember thinking okay so what artists that are out now are going to be looked at as classic someday you know as prince and michael jackson billy joel and you know, if you're going to go to the last, you know, fifteen, twenty years, Taylor is one of those that you're going to look at in the same way. She defined that generation musically. Agreed. All right. Well, here's a good transition because I think one of the two people you were referring to is my next pick. Okay. And that would be Debbie Gibson. She is well. She's coming up. Although now I can go to my alternate. <laughs> um, well, it, well, we might have a. It depends. I'll probably defer to you because it doesn't matter to me what song we use. I would have. In fact, I originally put down Lost in Your Eyes, but I used that for our couple skate show. 
So I had to go back and, and change it. My wife didn't was not happy with my pick because she likes Foolish Beat, which I like Foolish Beat a lot too. But if it was a single, I don't remember it charting very high, and a lot of people aren't as familiar with it, it, it off of her first ch- album. It did chart. But so I thought, why why not just go where it, where it all started mm-hmm. and go with Only In My Dreams? That's We have a direct match. All right. Our first match of the show. Yep. Yeah, I was I was a Debbie Gibson fan for her songs, kind of like Taylor in a way. She didn't have a spanning career like Taylor, but she did write her own music. Um, she played an instrument in this case. Um, she was an accomplished pianist. And it didn't hurt the fact that she was kind of hot. Oh, yeah. For a teenage boy at the time. Um, again, this fits into the kind of Whitney category of like, I didn't tell anybody that I liked Debbie Gibson. Nope. With the exception of um, of a girlfriend that I was dating at the time when Lost in Your Eyes was out. I remember and kind of, I confided in her that I liked Debbie Gibson. Um, but I, 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 I truly respected her for being a teenage singer-songwriter, producer, proficient piano player, didn't hurt that she was a major Billy Joel fan. Oh, yeah, she dedicated uh, the first album to him, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the end, she just wrote really fun pop songs in the late 80s. She did. And, you know, yes, I had a severe crush on her. That was part of it. But it was more than that. It really was. And I don't want to take anything away from her songwriting, because it is, at times, heavily produced and arranged and performed by studio musicians. Um, it's not stripped down. And you could make a case for some of Taylor's stuff, too, especially some of her early stuff. I mean, the bass flourish is kind of cool, I like, in the song. You have that obligatory 80s sax solo right oh, yeah. in the middle of it. Part of me that would like to see her release an album, maybe reimagining her songs with just her on the piano or kind of really stripped down. But then I thought, maybe not, though, because, you know, that is... That is, it is what it is. It's yeah. late 80s pop and it's Debbie Gibson and, and maybe we should just leave it alone. first time that I, I watched the music video for Only In My Dreams. Can it was like black and white. She's on a bed yeah. on the beach. Well, MTV was on in the background. Okay. And I was watching, but I wasn't watching. You know what I mean? So I, I heard her before I saw her. But when I saw her, I was just, I was smitten. I mean, I was glued to the screen. Her look, it, it resembled Madonna's highly accessorized early style, but she was nothing like the material girl. She know? was the girl next door. Yeah, and this girl was wholesome. She was innocent. She was pure. And the next two minutes lasted a lifetime because I stared in awe at this screen wondering who this beautiful blonde girl was and where the hell she came from. I mean, I, I kid you not. Just before the title card appeared at the end of the video with her name, my mom called me into the next room with some question or another. I have no memory of what it was that was so important. 
and I was beside myself because the video ended, the next began, and I still had no idea who this girl was. I wonder why they didn't just leave the title up the whole time. I, I don't know, but I literally, I mean, it, it, it killed me, right? Because I, I was newly infatuated with somebody and it was not an artist that I was going to go to school the next day and say, hey, have you heard this song? Who is, because, right. you know, we, yeah, right. we were of that age. So from that moment on, I obsessed over MTV. I watched as often as my schedule would allow because I, I just had to know her name. But the video seemed to disappear. I mean, really? Yeah, oh. it drove me nuts. I watched and I watched. Maybe I just had bad timing, I don't know. But it was not receiving any airplay when I'm watching. And it was clear that she was new because there was no fanfare. I mean, she wasn't in heavy rotation, at least so far as I could tell. So it was agonizing. It wasn't until a week later before I saw the video a second time and learned her name was Debbie Gibson. You know, And then I ran out and I bought out of the blue. Right. I, I, I had to have it. You probably didn't um, hear it then in the next album when she did the, the Grease homage with yeah. Shake Your Love. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just, I was I was immediately sold on Debbie and still love her. I mean, I she's still recording music. She, like you said, her mm-hmm. new album's coming out and I... She was on Broadway for a while. Yeah. She played Belle and Beauty and the Beast. She was on The Apprentice for one season. Yep. Well, and she, she played Sandy. She was in... She, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. She was in Grease. So, I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen her performance in Greece on mm-hmm. Broadway. Yeah. I didn't think she would, but she, I, she had to have been the perfect Sandy in my mind anyway. But um, yeah, no, I just, I, I had to include Debbie. So yeah. now, now you, now I'm in a conundrum because when it comes time for my alternates, my God, I want every one of them. So, but we'll get there. So I guess that makes it my turn. Though. Yeah, it's okay. your turn. All right, well, I was actually going backwards. My last three were largely the same person going back three three uh you know three different generations if you would um because my next pick is Brittany. um we have a match do we maybe one more time yep yep that's yep. on my alternate list though. okay it's yeah. on my alternate um, list. yeah Brittany. uh what can i say about Brittany? um you know i I've already admitted on the podcast that I'm a bona fide Britney Spears fan. That's not new to anybody. That came out with "If You Seek Amy." I have to be careful. <laughs> you need to be careful how I say that. Yeah. Um, so don't, you know, please don't judge me, listeners. I mean, her influence alone is enough to give her a chance. You know, even the indiest of the indie know who Britney Spears is, and I know more than a few people who conspicuously do not change the station when Toxic comes on. You know. Just remember, ladies, I'm, I'm talking to our, you know, those who, of you who may be listening now. If your husbands jump a little when you grab at their iPhones, you might want to check under the B's in their playlist because there's probably a dirty little secret lying there. Um, at the beginning of the 90s, teen currency, you know, we've talked about this, it shifted from the bubblegum and tiger beat to grunge and maximum rock and roll. Um, and, it, you know, although it may have been pushed from the spotlight, teen pop hadn't died. It never does. But it, in a way, it went underground. It spent some time on the fringes of pop culture, and one of the leading lights of the exiled teen brigade was the new Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. which we already kind of talked right. about. Um, for several years, it toiled away on the Disney network, earning a small fan base, but more importantly, it provided a launch pad for several careers, including Britney. And, and she shot to stardom in the late 90s, just as she was on the verge of late adolescence. By that time, everything old was new again. Albums like her debut, Baby One More Time, were topping the charts as if they were hanging tough, if you get the illusion, which is only appropriate since it sounded as if it could have been cut in 89, not 99. Really, I thought. Which may be something to do with, you know, the Swedish 
she recorded this in Sweden. Yeah, it I, was this song was written by the I, Swede I, team. I figured, you know, hearing hearing you discuss it earlier, um, "Baby One More Time" has that same blend of infectious rap inflected dance pop and smooth balladry that propelled Debbie Gibson, right? Um, I know she doesn't write her own songs. I'm aware that she's a figurehead fronting a giant money making empire. But say what you want, when it comes to pop music, she's got it. I mean, I reel at the genius of Toxic. I spin in glittery circles whenever I hear Oops, I Did It Again. I start bouncing up and down uncontrollably when I hear Womanizer. And as I drive my car, I slowly and discreetly roll up my windows while I perform my one-man show to the song that propelled her to stardom, which is Baby One More Time. Slick sound. I mean, it earned plenty of radio airplay, but it was the image of the schoolgirl Spears, of course, just 16 when the song yeah, was released. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think many did. Um, it, that's what made her a sensation. MTV played the video. It was the internet that gave her the most traction because as teenage girls and guys of all ages began logging into their AOL accounts, they, they typed some variation of Britney Spears and Alta Vista to see more of her. And then over the next 10 years, Spears led the world in celebrity news, of course, with one incident after another documented by Hungry Paparazzi. But it all started with this. It's just a very slick pop song about a girl who wants another chance with the guy she broke up with. But interestingly, I just want to, this, I just want to bring it up. Many people, I remember at the time, interpreted hit in a more literal sense. Yeah, no, that? that's why, I think that's why they removed the hit from the title. Yeah, uh, the songwriter, his name was Max Martin. I'm assuming he was Swedish. Yep, yep. Uh, he made clear that hit substitutes for call, as in the commonly used phrase, hit me up. Right. Uh, which squelched the domestic violence angle. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love Britney. Free Britney. I'm, I'm all about the, the free Britney. Um, but yeah, it, it's just... Uh, well, it was, it was t- Total Request Live, which was a brilliant countdown show uh, to, a way of showcasing music on MTV so I, MTV was already transitioning into like reality TV right because that's where the money is but they still realized that it was a great opportunity to introduce new music of course it's all payola right in some way or another they're all working together but uh, to have a music countdown show right when kids get off of school that was that's what was perfect they didn't wait till eight o'clock at night it's right when kids got home from school. Think about it. Most parents are working. They haven't gotten home from work yet. They're right. supposed to be doing their homework, but they're not. They're watching Carson Daly and Total Request Live. And they're watching Backstreet Boys and they're watching NSYNC and they're watching Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and Mandy Moore. And man, that was a time for there pop were, music. There were so many. Jessica Simpson. Yep. I mean, yep. they, were, they yep. were all over the place. Um, 
Yeah. No, I I literally was going backward because I had Taylor, I had Brittany, and my number 12 was Debbie Gibson. Yep. So um, we both go to the alternates now. Yes, we do. Well, why do um, you go to the alternates? Or do I? For Brittany. Or my, I, that was on my alternates list. Oh, it was on your alternates Yeah, it was my alternates, okay. so I'm good. Okay. All right. All right, so my last pick. Yes, sir. Well, I started with a Swedish band. Why not end with was, a Swedish band? I was waiting for ABBA. <laughs> I knew they were coming. Yeah. And I couldn't pick Dancing Queen, not only because I chose it for our dancing episode, which, I don't know, was that last season? And they all blend together. But I wasn't going to pick it anyway, because that's... No, it was, it was this season. Was it? Okay, yeah, so you, I couldn't pick... Do you want to dance? Um, that may have been like the original... When I ever thought of the concept of a guilty pleasure, that song came to mind. Because at the time, when we were in college... Um, there was nothing less cool, right, than ABBA. <laughs> True. But I remembered listening to ABBA growing up. It, my, I think my dad had some ABBA albums. And it was very nostalgic because a little indie movie from Australia came out called Muriel's Wedding. Mm-hmm. And the, it's, it, the ABBA is integrated throughout the film. And it's part of the story. And the music is very prevalent in the movie. And so after watching that at the Clazelle at Bowling Green with my now wife, uh, I remember going home thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I remember all these songs. And so I went to Finder's Music and they had ABBA Gold, which yeah. was their greatest hits compilation at the time. It's the only ABBA album, I, or only ABBA CD that I ever purchased. It was the only one I ever needed. That's the only one you need. <laughs> so. And I just, the reverie that swept over me. But again, I couldn't share it with anybody because nobody, well then there, I had a few friends um, uh, up at school that I found out were also kind of closet ABBA fans or at St. Muriel's Wedding. And so um, it was It was just kind of a cool little thing we had. But then, it wasn't just us, apparently, because several years later, out comes Mamma Mia, a huge Broadway smash based on ABBA music. Oh, yeah. And so ABBA then came back into the zeitgeist. So Dancing Queen, for me, was just, it, it's it's one of my Desert Island songs. I have another one coming up on my alternates list, which I won't use, but I'll talk about briefly. But um, so I can't consider Dancing Queen a guilty pleasure anymore for that reason because I just love it so much. I went with Fernando. Had I mean, it's interesting that you chose that because had I included, I, I very deliberately did not include Ava because I knew, <laughs> I knew never have I been more certain in any episode we have recorded that you would have an artist. Um, but had I included ABBA, it would have been Fernando. There you Fernando. go. Uh, take a chance on me, it might have been number two, but Fernando is going to be the one that I would have gone with. So I close my eyes and the late 70s come alive with this one. I see disco balls, I see bell-bottom slacks, I see open necklines, I see long lines at the gas pumps. Yeah. Um, and I'll say it one last time on this episode. Melody, melody, melody. It's like a candy narcotic. All of this music, it's just, it's sweet and takes away all the pain. Now, not being a lyrics person, I still don't know what this song's about. I mean, <laughs> is she in love with a South American dictator? Is he a revolutionary? Uh, I mean, there's like these military snare drums at the beginning, and there's like flutes, and I have no idea what's going on there with the you know the whole dictator thing. But I love this song; it's a lot of fun. And like you said, uh, if I didn't include Abba on a guilty pleasures mix, then I have no business making a list at oh, all. Yeah. Could hear the distant drums and sounds of bugle calls would come. 
Before I, I go to my alternates list for number 12, you want to name your alternate? Yes, I will. Um, I had Baby One More Time, which we already talked about. Okay, so here's the 80s song that I said I picked one 80s song, early, early 80s song. Um, lots of them could be considered guilty pleasures, but we established that we aren't because they're nostalgic and we love those songs. Right. But 1983's Mr. Roboto by Sticks. I thought about that <laughs> one. I mean, it literally crossed my mind. I literally was thinking... There's nothing chintzier. It's than, a it's, pretty it's, silly song. It's pure cheese, yeah. Um, you know. That's what. That's actually, that was the end of Dennis DeYoung in Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what really happened. Yeah, I know it's a concept album. I know the album cover kind of freaked me out with that Japanese robot thing. Yeah. I don't know if he was, I think he was in the video too. Um, the whole Kilroy was here, the whole World War II thing. Yeah, I never, I never understood any of it. I mean, like, is he, I don't know, was Dennis Young being serious? Was he trying to create this, like, rock opera thing? Well, or? That's, that's what I've always read, is he wanted to create a rock opera, and the rest of the band really just wanted nothing to do. I mean, it literally drove a wedge between them, and DeYoung was gone. I mean, he was done. So, But there's still, uh, uh, Don't Let It End is a great song. It is. Yeah. Don't Let It End, I mean, it sounds like it could come off of one of their... I mean, it's every bit as good as Babe or Lady. I mean, it's you know, it's it's just a quality ballad. But that being said, it's still a fun song. It is. Oh yeah. If you want to have fun, you know, with a group of Gen Xers at a party, throw on Mr. Roboto. Everyone's going to be singing. Yep. Domo arigato. Everyone's going to sing. So that that that's definitely that's a that's a prime example of a guilty pleasure. Um, I mentioned some of the uh, disco tracks that some classic rock performers um, indulged in in the late seventies. And uh, I went with Emotional Rescue by the Rolling Stones. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Finally, my last alternate was the one that is on my Desert Island list that I could not put this song on my guilty, guilty pleasure list, although a lot of people might consider it a guilty pleasure, and that is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. That is a Desert Island song for you? Really? I love I Will Survive and Dancing Queen. Those two 70s disco staples are in my top at least... 50 of all time maybe my top 25 of all time interesting I love those songs as far as pop music goes those two are right at the top um, and I considered adding it to the main list but again I just couldn't I just couldn't couldn't do it um, disco of course has all sorts of connotations I don't think disco is a bad word it really isn't I, I, I gotta admit it has probably a lot more to do with racism than anything at the time in fact, Bruce Springsteen talked about that. In fact, he wrote a song for, was it Donna Summer he that he a, wrote for he, her? He wrote a Donna Summer song? Well, she didn't end up recording it. He ended okay. up keeping it. And I, I'm trying to think which one it was. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I was out in Born in the USA. Um, was it? Was it? I'm going down. No. Why, why am I thinking? Not I'm going down. I can't imagine her singing anything on Born in the USA. Cover me. Cover me was written for Donna Summer. Really? Yes. And and the reason huh. I just read an article about this. The reason was he felt that the hatred of disco, and of course, Springsteen was used as an example of like being anti-disco, right? Right. Yeah. But he hated that because he felt it, 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 first of all, he loved disco and he felt it was a a racist thing because it was based on soul music and rock and roll was seen, I guess, more of a white thing, even though it had had, had roots in in African-American music too. It was 100% appropriated. Rock and roll is black music. Right, right. But but he wanted to kind of break that idea that disco is, you know, not a legitimate music form and he loved Donna Summer. And so, yeah, he wrote... um, cover me for her and then ended up he kept it but then he wrote another song for her that she did record and so it wasn't a single but hmm. I'll have to go back and look Interesting. anyway the strings I've made a, such a big deal about strings in 70s music in the last two episodes here's an example where the strings are perfect they aren't sweeping they aren't sappy like Kenny Rogers and Barry Manilow they're not in your face they're not aggressive they're melodic and purposeful they're the perfect example of what strings should do in a pop song. Um, this song is so solid. If you have the album version of the song, there's a nice little sax solo near the end. I love, not to mention the fact that it's a great female anthem. Oh, it is, yeah. In the progressive feminist movement of the late 70s. Okay. Now, you know I'm a jazz fan, right? Yeah. There is a jazz version of I Will Survive by the Papini Sisters. I don't know if they're on Spotify or not. I've never looked for them on Spotify. If they are, it, we I'd love to put it on the alternates list because they it, it they turn I will survive into a swing tune. Interesting. I I want to play it for you before we take off. Not during the show. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But um, before I take off today, I'm curious about your thoughts on it because it's it, it's it's really kind of cool. But I never would have guessed that's one of your desert island yes. songs. I can I will never get sick of this song. I get excited every time it comes on. Interesting. I love it. Um, you think you know people. <laughs> the, the strings are very reminiscent of the, sounds weird, but the strings in the Rocky theme. And, and, and it's the 1970s, and maybe it has to do with... Going to fly now, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Like, just just listen to the string section, and it, you'll, you'll hear it. It's a good, it, it's good, though. It's a good comparison. I don't know that I've ever made that association. I'll have to listen to them back to back. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Now, I, I like Glory Gainer. I, I like I Will Survive. I, I don't know that... I never would have guessed. I think it's the biggest disco hit of all time, and I think Dancing Queen is a close second. So you're going to rank them both before the Bee Gees, huh? Yeah, I mean, the Bee Gees are definitely there, and yeah. I could have included them. Bee Gees are definitely there, but I, I, I put those two ahead of anything the Bee Gees did. Yeah. I went, the, you know, the Bee Gees, I thought about including them anywhere, really, but like I said, I think we've reached a point, really, in our society where it's okay to, to admit to liking the Bee Gees yeah. now. So... Um, that said, for a couple of decades after the fall of disco, you didn't dare, right? Right. But, um, yeah, I just didn't include them. All right. Well, here are my alternates, and I don't know what to pick. <laughs> I um. All right. I had first of all Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers. Oh, that's a good one. I would have included that I had love, I thought of it. I love this song. Yeah, that's a great. You know, song. this is the song. This song directly, directly inspired Blitzkrieg Bop. Yes, by the Ramones. exactly, it, 100%. It, it was the chant, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y night. Yep. The Ramones wanted their own chant, so it was, hey, ho, let's go. Literally, yep. they yep. credit Bay City Rollers. And that's what the Ramones, they wanted to get away from all the prog rock. They yep. wanted to take rock back to its exactly. roots. Yeah, so I had Saturday night. 
I had Copacabana. Yep. I had Cracklin' Rosie by Neil oh, Diamond. Neil Diamond, yeah. Um, I had Barbie Girl by Aqua. Yeah, that fits. <laughs> that totally Very fits. much fits, yeah. Uh, Just a Friend by Biz Markie. Yeah, I guess it's. A, I don't know. I don't know a lot about the hip hop community, so I, I can't oh, tell. Oh, you remember this song? I know the song. I, I know the song for sure. I don't know if people worst look rap, at it. worst rapper in history and definitely the worst singer of the rap but, community. But so. it's got it's a good melody in that. Oh, song. it is, and why well, he lifted it. I mean, it, it's he he pulled it from uh, the song "You Got What I Need," which was, uh, you know, it was originally um, who sang Freddie Scott. Okay. Freddie Scott okay. sang "You Got What I Need." He literally stole it. But there was no precedent at the time because, you know, there had not been any kind of legal precedent that stopped uh, the hip hop community from from sampling sampling right. yet. Actually, Bismarcky is the reason that there was a, a lawsuit because his next the next time he did it was Gilbert O'Sullivan's Alone Again Naturally, and Gilbert O'Sullivan sued him. Mm, interesting. That so it's Bismarcky's fault that hip hop eventually could not sample for free anymore. Um, and then my last one is Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So All Hold On, Just a Friend, uh, Barbie Girl, Cracklin' Rosie, and the, you last, gotta pick one. and the last one available is Saturday Night by Bay City Rollers. I think I am going to... Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to lean toward Bay City Rollers. I mean, I feel like Neil Diamond should be on the guilty list I don't know I think it's a little harsh I think I like Neil Diamond well yeah but I, to me he's 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 the trifecta you have the Carpenters now you have Barry yeah. Manilow Neil Diamond is okay. kind of like okay. that number three yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to pick him but I mean to I, me I like Sweet Caroline the three of them Sweet are, Caroline's another Desert Island song yeah Sweet Car- here's the thing Sweet Caroline is the best choice I intentionally went with Cracklin' Rosie because everyone would expect Sweet Caroline not, not the song he wrote for E.T. <sighs> That's that's when the man jumped the shark, okay? I mean, first he had the awful duet with Streisand, and then he did... Coming the, to America, that was from jazz. I was going to say, then he did the even cheesier jazz singer anthem, America, and then, yeah, the song the song based on E.T. Heartlight, I think is what it was called. Your Heartlight, oh, yeah. Turn on your Heartlight. It's a, and then bigger than a young boy's dream. Okay. You, didn't, you don't, <laughs> don't wake you, you me can up stop now. <laughs> Take no, a I, ride across the I, moon. I do. I love Neil Diamond, but I mean, he literally. I mean, he he's like it or not, he's categorized as a guilty pleasure for, I would argue, some pretty good reasons. Um, of course, he's also responsible for the monkeys. I mean, including the Almighty. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Right? So you know, yeah. the man the man has some, you know. Perfectly good credits to his name. Um, Hold on would be a good closer. Barbie girl definitely is guilty pleasure. And it's, really, it's going to come down to Saturday night. I think or Barbie girl. Saturday you pick night. Saturday night. All right. Bay City Rollers. It <laughs> I didn't is. have to think about. All that. right, we're going to go. With I mean, Barbie girl's a fun song, and that's definitely guilty pleasure. But yes, let's All stick right. it with a '70s. Here. All right, so there you go.
everybody thought in the UK that they were the next Beatles. In fact, Roller Mania, I mean, it was, I don't know if you've ever looked into the Bay City Rollers. They were huge oh, yeah. in the UK. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they, they literally, they prompted headlines all over about the rise of Roller Mania. And, and the band became the subject of a 20-week UK television series in, in before they even made it to America. But... Um, Interestingly, Saturday night, I'll just say this because I found this interesting. It was the last song with a day of the week in the title to hit number one until Katy Perry reached the top spot in 2011 with Last Friday Night. Last Friday Night, which was on my long list. Was it? A couple Katy Perry songs were on my long list. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even include Katy Perry in the, um, my, my first list. I just, I wasn't, um, I wasn't feeling it. Teenage Dream almost made it. That was on my short list. I can understand it. Um, but yeah, no, I... The rollers, you know, today the rollers are among the thrift shop fodder that you flick past while looking for the gold, you know, at Goodwill among the albums that have been donated. But yeah, when they were big, they were the biggest. I mean, but Barbie Girl is good too. I, I would have, I probably would have included both of those songs yeah. well, and had I thought of them. Yeah, I just, I didn't know. I, like I said, this was the hardest list to compile because you should have seen my long list. I mean, every song there deserved a place here, but I didn't, you know, can't include them all. We'll go with the Bay City Rollers. It'll be a, All right. my last song. So there you go, everybody. We have our 24 picks. 24 but picks. now we have to put them in sequence. We do. My God, how many songs are going to be on the alternates list? Oh, man. We probably talked about 50 songs at this, <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, sequencing this is going to be really interesting. Well, so. we, we will be right back after this. And we're back, and we have a sequence, believe it or not, we were able to come up with a sequence from a very eclectic list of music. Yeah, it, that was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. Well, there's a lot of pop, so yeah, I guess there is. it's eclectic, but a lot of it, it's, it's all pop music. Well, and it's also all 70s, all 90s, or all late 80s, so I mean, we're talking about a lot of contemporary you know, coming in and out right. of one yep, another. Right, yep, 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 yep. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, the one song that made it a bit difficult we decided to throw at the beginning and that kind of made everything else fall into place it was like so. a cheese stick I mean like a G6 <laughs> yeah. alright so here is our sequence folks we begin the mixtape side A track one with like a G6 by the Far East Movement that goes into Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks then the sign by Ace of Bass Mbop by Hanson followed by Saturday Night by Bay City Rollers Fernando by ABBA, Afternoon Delight by Starlin Vocal Band, The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston, Only Yesterday by The Carpenters, Into Knock Three Times by Tony Orlando and Don, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas, and Side A ends with Debbie Gibson's Only In My Dreams. Then, Side B, we begin with Rick Astley, that's right, we Rick roll you at the beginning, Never Gonna Give You Up Into Straight Up by Paula Abdul, Shandy by Kiss, which no, I had never heard that before. Um, like a G6, I, I had heard, it just been a very long time. Shandy, not, never in my life have I heard that song. Um, for good reason. Uh, Shandy goes into Ready to Take a Chance Again by Barry Manilow, Through the Years by Kenny Rogers, a Little Bit Country, A Little Bit Rock and Roll by Donnie and Marie Osmond. That's a lot worse than I remember. I <laughs> Man, I Feel Like a Woman uh, by Shania Twain. And believe it or not, it actually kind of works 
going into Talk Dirty to Me by Poison. Um, and Poison works going into Lou Bega. It does, yeah. Talk Dirty to Me is followed by Mambo Number no. 5, Lou Bega. That is followed by Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, then Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. And very appropriately, we end the mixtape with Bye 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 by NSYNC. Now, we need to come up with a title for this mixtape. Well, I've been thinking... I mean, through the years, they're, they're guilty pleasures. Yeah. People try to dismiss them, but yet they still survive. Oh, I will survive. I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Does that work good. for you? Yeah. It's perfect. That way, your desert it's island. Perfect. Your desert island makes the the cut, but it did not. I like make it. The cut. I like it. I like it a lot. Have we been putting the titles um, that that were not featured actually in the alternates list? I don't know if we've been doing oh, I don't that know. Maybe not. we need to do that. I was going to say, you can throw Gloria Gaynor into the alternates. That still keeps it open for a Desert Island mixtape next season, should we decide to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that works. I will survive. I mean, these are songs that are, they're not going anywhere. Nope. So, it was an interesting selection. It was. I, I, um, I can't wait to actually figure out the alternates list though too because that's going to be just as much fun um but yeah well, I, we we outdid ourselves this is this this may be a playlist that i go back to time and time again this is a fun one yeah but again it's going to be played very quietly when no one else is around because in the privacy of my own basement it is guilty pleasures folks but you know i do have one i have some final thoughts though yeah, yeah. on this whole guilty pleasure thing um you know, it, it's it takes an awful amount of effort to divide your taste into arbitrarily acceptable boxes. It, it's a waste of time. You know, I why pretend to like Radiohead when you'd rather be listening to Mariah Carey? Well, actually, I would rather listen well, to Radiohead but, than Mariah Carey. Agreed. But okay. I'm, but I'm saying, if your tastes, <laughs> yes, you know, are are right, 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 right. It's subjective, right? So you know, most guilty pleasures are are arbitrary as I said, and they're entirely subjective and they're wholly at the mercy of passing trends. And there's just no sense in the coolness hierarchy. Not really. Plus, most guilty pleasures are popular songs. They're pop songs, which in itself is irony. If they're popular, why are they guilty pleasures? But really, it's strange, I think, that it's often happy, upbeat, and occasionally meaningless pop music that's regarded as guilty pleasures. And the opposite sad, down-tempo, emotive music that is automatically categorized as being real and authentic, you know? It's 2021. The world is turning to crap, and if it's not there already, and everyone is looking for a way to escape. So dumb, fun music is that escape for a lot of people. You shouldn't feel guilty for enjoying it, especially in a time where it's needed more than ever, I think. So um, hopefully... We have, you know, made you feel a little bit more comfortable with sharing what you have remained hidden from the the public for so long. Any last thoughts on guilty pleasures? No, no, just enjoy. Hopefully, we brighten your day a little bit, and um, yeah, because we're gonna tear your heart out next week. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject. And we will see you on the flip side.